Well, again, good morning. I think I failed to mention some of our more basic announcements earlier. Uh, children are welcome in the service. We also have nursery down the hallway to my left. They'd be in great hands, the best of hands, Christy Randolph. Um, so to remind you of that, if you are visiting, we're really glad you're here. Maybe it's the first time. Maybe it's not the first time. Um, if you have not had the opportunity, would you please take a simple visitor card in the foyer and just fill that out? It's very simple. You can give it to me or um, to one of our leaders after the service. We'd appreciate having a record of your visit there. Really appreciate the songs and the uh, Pastor Ray leaders in prayer so far. It's very encouraged, encouraged by our prayer time. Our brother uh, Jacob McCatton was praying in our prayer time earlier that the Lord would humble us this morning and uh, it's not really a better prayer that we could pray, um, but we do pray that the Lord would humble us this morning. Uh, let me invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 25. Would you please do turn to the first book of the Bible? And I'd like for us to look at uh, two Old Testament passages to read, two brief Old Testament passages and if at all possible, I'd like for you to be looking at them with me. That's why I'm asking you to turn. And then we'll land on our New Testament text. I also do love to hear Pastor Ray singing those high notes in amazing love. I'm a baritone with you. I'm, we go down when that happens. Yes, that's why we have Garrett, that's right. Truly great, great singing, privilege to go to the Lord in prayer already, as we've said. So today we will be landing and looking at Hebrews 12, and I want to speak to you. The title is Root of Bitterness, Root of Bitterness, Hebrews 12. I hope you're with me in Genesis chapter 25, and would you look at verse 29. Genesis 25:29 If you're brand new to Christianity or to church, we're glad you're here. Genesis is the first book of the Bible, the small little numbers are the verses, the big numbers are the chapters. Genesis 25:29 Pay careful attention to these Old Testament texts that we're going to read. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I'm exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said in Genesis 25, 32, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Genesis chapter 25. Would you please flip over to the fifth book of the Bible, Deuteronomy 
Turn to the fifth book of the Bible, Deuteronomy. Not, not too far from where you just were. Chapter 29, verse 18. Deuteronomy chapter 29. By the way, the last verse of 29, 29, 29, says the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. We may do all the words of his law. That's a verse you should commit to memory. Deuteronomy 29, 18. Listen carefully. Beware lest there be among you a man or woman or clan or tribe whose heart is turning away today from the Lord our God. This is the words of Moses to the covenant people. Again, he says, Beware lest there be among you a man or woman or clan or tribe whose heart is turning away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of those nations. Beware lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit, one who when he hears the words of this sworn covenant, blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall be safe. Though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart, I'll I'll be fine. This will lead to the sweeping away of moist and dry alike. Look again at the very end of verse 18. The very end of Deuteronomy 29, 18. Beware, lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. And then I will not ask you to turn anymore when, once we turn to our New Testament text. If you would need to go to the very end of the Bible and then hang a left to Hebrews 12. Near the end of the Bible, the book of Hebrews, this will be it for the turning. Hebrews chapter 12. Would you go there with me? You need to see these words for yourself today. Let's pray together. Would you bow in prayer? Lord, please help us today as we do need to think about Uh, this subject of the root of bitterness from Hebrews chapter 12. Help us as we do need to talk about and to think about morality. Of course, Lord, please save us from talking about morality in any way separate from or divorced from Jesus Christ and the cross and the gospel. Lord, please help us now. We come to the table later on, but help us now in your word. Lord, send forth your word and let there be light. Please help us through the Holy Spirit. Help us to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, whose name we pray. Amen. All right, please find your place there in Hebrews chapter 12. Look with me. Our text is 14 through 17. 
physic if you're physically able, let's stand and look at this. Hebrews twelve, fourteen. Strive for peace with everyone, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know, Hebrews 12, 17, that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. You can be seated. Thank you. Our series is Jesus is Better. Our text is Hebrews 12, and our title is Root of Bitterness. Really, this morning we're talking, we're looking at a wonderful passage, Hebrews 12, 14 through 17, and it has practical instructions, really talking about holiness. Practical instructions, persevering, in holiness, persevering in holiness. It's really fun to uh, to deal with a realtor. It's, it's so fun to buy and sell a house. There's nothing at all involved with it that would make it painful. Um, Sinclair Ferguson says this, listen, he's talking about the church. He says, I remember hearing from a real estate agent that many colleagues in her particular city simply ask their house-searching clients what church they would like to join and then passed on their names to that congregation. you got a realtor working with people who are looking to buy a house. Oh, and by the way, uh, what church would you like to join? This this might be, you know, uh, very normal for mid-20th century America to where uh, certainly in the, maybe in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, it was um, it was it was good. It was good to be a member of a church. It brought you uh, cachet. It helped you in the community. Uh, it's not exactly that way today. But uh, you, you buy a house. You're moving to a city. What church would you like to join? Uh, the people are not seeking the church based on scriptural reasons necessarily. Ferguson says one could almost imagine the advertisement: "Buy a house with us." includes church membership. Well, we do need to think about the church today. In fact, these uh, four verses, 14, 15, 16, and 17, are verses that may not get a lot of attention, but they should, and they call us to focus on the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. One more thing here from Ferguson from his very helpful book, Devoted to the Church. He says, people have very different ideas of what it means and how important or otherwise it is to belong to the church. In the New Testament, however, two things are clear. Listen to this. In the New Testament, two things are clear. Number one, belonging to the church is one of the privileges of being a Christian. And number two, it is one of our central responsibilities. Belonging to a church family is not an optional extra. Dear friends, that's if you're here, if you've been here at all, then you know that's nothing new. We are very centered on the local church. As Peter preached, our South African brother last week, the local church is God's plan. I want to be very careful not to 
preach the church when when we should be preaching the cross and preaching Jesus Christ. But of course, there's also a sense in which you you cannot divorce the two, and you shouldn't. Uh, To belong to Jesus is inherently to belong to his church. It's a privilege and it's a responsibility. So here's what we need to see this morning. Listen to me. We need to see that as believers living in a fallen world, as believers living in a fallen world, we fall short when we do not meddle in other people's lives in the church. As believers living in a fallen world, we we sin and we fall short when we do not meddle, M-E-D-D-L-E, as we should in other people's lives in the church. And we fall short when we reject, and we say, I don't want that, when we reject other believers meddling in an appropriate way in our lives. Are you with me? And we say, well, you're not that, you know, meddling in other people's business is impolite. And we're not talking about a witch hunt. That's not good. And we're not talking about inappropriate meddling. You know, there are sins that do seem to be uh, particular in some ways to men and women. And so Christian women sin, and, and men do too in this way, but maybe in a unique way, Christian women might sin in being busybodies or in meddling, or in gossiping. Again, all of these sins can be universal, male or female, but Christian men and women both sin. We think it's not polite to meddle in other people's business, but I'm saying this morning, and you test what I say based on Scripture, that as believers living in a fallen world, we actually fail. We actually fail and sin in the church when we do not appropriately meddle in other people's business. And when we put up our guard and say, I don't want other people to meddle in my business. By the way, this is what we believe about church membership. Dear friend, whether you join this church or another church, if you're a believer, you should be committed and serving in a local church. Again, hear me, my purpose is not to preach the church per se, it is to preach Jesus Christ. But you are not obeying the New Testament if you're not meddling in other believers' lives in an appropriate way. And this, you may be saying, what are you even talking about? We're going to see. It's going to be very plain from the text. And if you are guarded, and if in any way you say, I don't want to be held accountable, you're not being obedient to Scripture. I may be starting out strong, but we need to hear this. We live in an age of personal autonomy. Dear friend, I may be starting out strong, but if you are not committed and serving and invested in the local church, you're not obeying Jesus Christ whom you claim to follow because what we see in this text is as plain as day. We are to be up in each other's business. The church, the church, the church. Look at the text with me. Hebrews chapter 12. Look at it again. Hebrews 12:14 Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God Now are these the words of Jesus Christ that we're reading here Well the first answer is no 
These are the words of somebody like Paul. I read recently to where somebody was making the case that even if it's not Paul, it's it's under Hebrews is under Paul's authority. Maybe he preached the sermon and somebody else wrote the letter or something like that. But it is the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ who faithfully interpret for us the death and the teachings and the life of Christ. So it is the apostles here. So this is the word of Christ. When he says in verse 15, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Verse 16, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. The series of our sermon is Jesus is Better. The text is Hebrews 12 and the title is Root of Bitterness. I want you to see that there in verse 15. See where I get the title. He says in Hebrews 12, 15, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau. Do you remember that? Genesis chapter 25. Well, we see there the title there in verse 15, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. I've got it uh, in my Bible in quotation marks, root of bitterness. And where did we read about that? We read about that in Deuteronomy. And you don't have to turn back there. You can if you want, but I'm just going to read it for you. Listen carefully. Moses, speaking to the covenant people, get this after the Lord had delivered them from bondage to the Egyptians. Bondage to the Egyptians. Beware, Moses says, lest there be among you a man or woman or clan or tribe whose heart is turning away from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of those nations. Beware, lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit One who, when he hears the words of this sworn covenant, blesses himself in his heart, saying, I'm okay, I shall be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. He says there in Deuteronomy 29, 19, he says this is a person who who actually seems to know that they're walking in sin. Listen to me, this person actually seems to know they're walking in sin, and yet they say to themselves, I will be okay. You know, this, this heavy preaching and this, these words of Scripture and, and, and Jesus who spoke a lot about hell, you know, that, that's not as serious as it seems. I will be okay. We get this from Deuteronomy 29. I want you to see very simply, Hebrews 12.15, root of bitterness, comes from Deuteronomy 29. And so let me just go ahead and give you the answer. What is a root of bitterness? And... Maybe you're like me that I didn't think this way until I really studied this passage. It's not what is a root of bitterness, it's who is a root of bitterness. To understand Hebrews 12.15, you simply study the background to it, which is clearly Deuteronomy 29. Moses is warning the covenant community, the people who have been purchased and bought by God out of bondage to slavery. And he says, a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit, one who, 
A root of bitterness is a person who is falling away from the living God. A root of bitterness is, listen to me, is somebody who has a wrong view of eternal security, as it has been pointed out. I I found that so helpful in an article I read. A root of bitterness is somebody who has a wrong view of eternal security. You say, okay, what are you saying? That the free will Baptists are all root of bitterness? Well, first of all, I'm saying a root of bitterness in the Bible is a person. First and foremost, Deuteronomy 29. And it's a person who has a wrong view of eternal security. No, I'm not so much saying that church or that denomination that believes that you can lose your salvation. I do think they're wrong. But I'm not so much saying, when I say they have a wrong view of eternal security, it's Deuteronomy 29. Even though I'm walking away from the Lord and walking away from His people, I will be safe. That's called apostasy. That's called a root of bitterness. And the apostle says, see to it. In Hebrews, he says, see to it. Do you see that? That no one fails to obtain the grace of God that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. So he has a, he or she has a wrong view of eternal security. I'm not just talking about their theology. I am, but I'm talking about their practical life. I'm talking about this poisonous, poisonous belief. I'll be fine. I walked the aisle. I accepted Christ. Dear friend, you won't be fine. You won't be fine if you commit apostasy and if you walk away from the Lord. And so we see this root of bitterness. And I just want to give you, I just want to tell you two things as we look at this passage. I just want to tell you to strive for holiness and to see to it that everyone makes it. All right, there it is today. All right, there it is. Just Hebrews 12, 14 through 17. Strive for holiness and see to it that everyone makes it. Got that? Strive for holiness and see to it that everyone makes it. Makes it to the end. To see God. The, you know, it's called the beatific vision. See the Lord. Matthew 5 8. Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. Matthew 5 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That is the end game. To see the Lord. I'll say it again. Strive for holiness and see to it that everyone makes it. Give attention to yourself, have a care. Have a care about yourself. Give attention to yourself and give attention to the church. Look at this text. He says, strive for holiness. See that in verse 14? Would you glance back up at verse 12? Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. What do you make of this sentence? 
holiness is necessary for us to be saved. Think about that. What do you make of it? Holiness is necessary for us to be saved. Richard Phillips, in my view, correctly says, it is not necessary as a condition of our acceptance with God since we're justified by faith in Christ alone. Apart from works. But it is necessary as a consequence of our acceptance with God. So that the Apostle James can say, faith apart from works is dead. Or he puts it this way, Christian salvation is not caused by our holiness, but it necessitates our holiness. Do you see what it says there? Yes, we've touched on this already. Yes, we have. Look at Hebrews twelve fourteen. Look at it. Look at it. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Here's a couple of different translations. New American Standard. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Uh, New Living Translation. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. King James Version, 1900. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. New International Version, which according to versions is the most popular version in the world. Uh, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Barnhouse said this, holiness is to be the touchstone of the Christian life. Matthew Henry said this, be ye holy is the great and fundamental law of our religion. Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. Christianity is a relationship and a religion. It's the only true religion. William J. said this, holiness is necessary to present peace and future glory. Swinnock said this, the old Puritan, heaven must be in thee before thou canst be in heaven. Look at me. Heaven must be in you before you can be in heaven. How? Because Hebrews 10, Jesus shed his blood for sinners to make us holy. J.C. Ryle, there is no holiness without warfare. John Stott, the secret of holy living is in the mind. Or best yet, Hebrews 12, 14, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Without holiness... No one will see it. But that's not all that verse says, is it? It says in verse 14, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. I don't know how many Tolkien, that's the best way to say it, right? Tolkien, Tolkien. How many Tolkien fans here? I read this this week. There's a passage in Tolkien's The Fellowship of the Ring in which God-fearing elves join with God-fearing dwarves to oppose the Dark Lord. But immediately they begin to quarrel, calling down plagues on each other's necks. They join together to fight the common enemy, and then they start fighting each other. Then one of the wiser of the company, Haldir, remarks, Indeed, in nothing is the power of the Dark Lord more clearly shown than in the estrangement that divides all those who still oppose him. What's he saying there? He's saying, as Kent Hughes says, conflict in the church brings glory to Satan and disgraces our God. I'm pointing us to the entire verse of verse 14, to the whole thing which not only says, without holiness no one will see the Lord, but boy, are these so practical for the church. It says, strive, what does it say? Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. 
So, dear brother and sister, strive for peace with everyone. You know, Romans 12 says, as much as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. Conflict is inevitable in this fallen world. Conflict in this fallen world is normal. Conflict daily, unfortunately, sadly, sadly, is normal in this fallen world. And the Bible says in, he, in Romans 12, as far as it depends on you, some things, some things will not be able to be mended, maybe even at all, listen to me, this side of the new heavens and the new earth. But as much as it depends on you, as he says here in Hebrews 12, Romans 12, Hebrews 12, strive for peace with everyone. I mentioned earlier, listen, Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. What about Matthew 5, 9? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. See that there in verse 14. You see that. Strive for peace with everyone. Dear friends, let us pray to God. Let us pray to God as a church. These are to be, in in one way, the two marks of the church. The two marks of Crossway Church. Oh, dear church, let us wake up this morning. Look, it says strive for peace Peace and purity. Two P's. Peace and purity. Holiness and peace. These are to be the marks of the church. And these are the blood-bought marks of the church. These are not things that we first of all do. This is what God has given to us in His grace. God makes peace. We have enmity between people. We have enmity between us and creation. The Primarily, you this morning as a sinner have enmity between yourself and God. God makes peace. God makes people holy. And then we are called by His grace to work it out. So we are to strive for holiness. And then secondly, we are to see to it that everyone makes it. We are to see to it that everyone makes it. Now just look at the text. It says strive for two things. And it says see to it that three things. Hebrews 12, 14, strive for two things, peace with everyone and holiness. And it says, see to it that three things. I just want you to see that and just look at the text. Verse 15, see to it that, number one, no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Number two, see to it that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Number three, do you see, do you see how I'm doing this? It all comes from the heading of verse 15. See to it that, number three, verse 16, no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau. And I'm just lumping all of these three together. They're actually, most of them are, are said in a negative way. And I'm just lumping them all together and I'm making a positive statement to say, see to it that everyone makes it. We've preached this over and over again. Uh, church or the Christian life. Christian life is a community project. You will not make it on your own. Uh, church membership is not optional. Uh, fathers, bring your whole families to church every Sunday. That's legalism. No, no. It all goes back to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. What does it say there in Hebrews 12, 2? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, 
despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So what I'm trying to do this morning, I don't think I can be faithful without preaching morality. I think Hebrews 12, 14 through 17 does in one sense fall under the umbrella of morality, of holiness, of practical instructions. But the big idea, the big idea in all of it is this, is keep going. Jesus is better. Persevere to the end. Persevere in holiness. Don't give up. Keep going. And it all goes back to 12, 1 and 2. It all goes back to what may be the verses in the book of Hebrews. The verses is Jesus Christ, His person and His work. This is what we preach. Jesus Christ. Jesus' blood and righteousness. Jesus, Thy blood and righteousness. My beauty are. My glorious dress. Jesus' blood and righteousness. Look away from yourself today. Look away from yourself. Jesus' blood and righteousness. God is holy. We are not. Jesus Christ is perfect. Jesus died bearing the wrath of God in our place so that everyone who repents and believes will be made holy and live eternally with God. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 is the rock-solid foundation looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And he says, as I've told you already, I just want to make the text plain. I just want to make the text plain. 14, look at it again. 14, strive for two things. Crossway, strive for peace and for holiness. Gifts which God has already given us. And see to it. 15 and 16, see to it that everyone makes it. You know, when it says there, see to it. That is plural. That's why I'm so talking about the church this morning. You see to it. It's been pointed out that there's even this idea of the word bishop here. Uh, every, every church member a bishop. Which is to say every church member acting like an elder looking out for every other member. Which is to say we sin as believers in a fallen world because we love our privacy. And I do too. And we talk about, oh, it's not like the 50s when everybody sat on a rocking chair on their porch and talked to their neighbors. Well, some of that's just culture. But in the church, in the church, we actually sin when we don't appropriately meddle in other people's businesses. Not a witch hunt. Not a witch hunt. But if we don't, member, listen to me, member. If you don't appropriately meddle in other people's business, and if you are not open to some degree, to other members meddling in your business, then what are we doing? Because following Jesus is hard and it's glorious and we want to make it to the end. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, keep going. Run the race. Run the race. Slough off that sin. Put sin to death. And it is, it is a community project. He says, see to it. And just to be clear again, he means every one of you. You see to it. We need your help as elders, fellow members. We need your help. And the baseline, it just starts with just, just be a Christian wants to be with the people of God and loves the Bible. You can't keep me away from church. And your presence alone, just your presence alone is massively important. And then you go from there and you're just there. And you're just, you're just observing needs. And this is just normal Christianity. This is just basic following of Jesus Christ. And we need, to, we need to wake up and see that this is the ABCs. 
And if you're not in Christ this morning, then come and welcome to Jesus Christ who shed His blood for sinners. See to it, everyone. Oh, let's stop playing games. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That's number one. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. No man is an island. One rotten apple poisons the whole bunch. What does that mean? Well, I better be, I better, no, that's, we're a hospital, not a country club. You are welcome here. And then number three, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau. Because you might read verse 17 and you might say, well, man, that's hard. He said that he once sought repentance, but he couldn't get it. Be careful that you understand verse 17. Verse 17 is not teaching that Esau wanted to repent and he was not allowed. Please hear me this morning. Every sinner who truly wants to repent of their sin will find forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Think about the Apostle Peter. Think about Peter. 17 is not saying that Esau wanted to repent, but God said no. No, that's not what it's saying. It's probably saying literally he wanted the blessing. We must not love the world and forfeit our salvation. Friends, I'll close with this. This passage is talking about apostasy. Surprise, surprise. The whole book of Hebrews in one sense. It's talking about apostasy. The root of bitterness. So it's saying we need to keep on. Just look at it. Verse 17. You know that afterward when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. What he's saying here is he left the birthright. He left the inheritance and he says to them, God didn't save you out of Egypt, bondage to slavery. He says, God saved you out of bondage to Satan and to your sin and to yourself. God gave you a much, much, much greater exodus than the exodus in the Old Testament. And he says, in the new covenants, in the new and better covenants, look at the example of Esau. Look at the example of the poisonous and bitter fruit which can ruin the whole thing. That he found no chance to repent. Why? Well, because he was in love with this world. He was in love with this world. And his affections were not set on the kingdom of God. God help us. God set our minds on things above and not on things on this earth. May our affections be set on the kingdom of God. You've not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest. No, you've come to something much greater. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray that you would help us this morning. We pray that you would move among us according to your word. Wake us up to your glory. Lord, help us not in any way to be ashamed. Maybe you would reveal to someone this morning who who may have been a church attender or a church member for decades that they need to see Christ for the first time. Lord, let us run to Christ as true believers, as unbelievers. Let us run to Christ. 
Help us to love what you love, Lord. You laid down your life for your people. Help us to be a true community. Oh, Lord, thank you that you're patient with us. Thank you for your patience. Help us according to this word about holiness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.